the last song. <clears throat> uh, it's kind of what God's been showing me this week. Um, like, make room for him. We will make room for him. <clears throat> um, and that he's always there. And I was reminded this week of uh, a dream I had. Um, that kind of uh, was right before I made a major transition from like security to what I felt like God was saying do this <clears throat> leave this good job and go to go to school you know uh, and <clears throat> in this dream I had I was uh Excuse me, sorry. I was going to this job, and I was going to say, I'm leaving. God told me to go somewhere. And uh, <clears throat> I was, like, running there through the woods <laughs> on this path. It was, like, it was like a dirt path, and it was well-worn, and it didn't go straight, though. Um, it was, like, you know, curving around stuff, and... I remember hearing a noise off to the side, and I looked over, <clears throat> and it was a deer. And this deer, like, was falling right beside me. And uh, I just kept running, and it kept running right beside me. And sometimes I could see it, sometimes I couldn't, because there was trees in the way, and the path curved, but the deer was, like, just running straight ahead. And uh, that was like God saying, I'm always there, even if you can't see me, even if you go off the path a little bit, I'm always right there in, in the wilderness. You know, it's kind of a wilderness situation. It's like I've been thinking like a little bit like, God, what, what's going on? You know, it's been a little rough lately. And yeah, I know you told me to do this, you know. And so then he reminded me of that. He's like, I'm always there. I'm always running beside you. If you turn, you know, go away or whatever. I'm still there. But uh, it kind of reminded me of uh, in Deuteronomy uh, 8. I'm going to read it. All the commandments that I am commanding you today you today you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to you your forefathers you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God have has led you into the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you test you to know that what is in your heart <clears throat> whether you could keep his commandments or not he humbled you and let you go hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone <laughs> but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord <laughs> 
Your clothes did not wear out on you, nor did your feet swell, ooh, swell with these 40 years. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as discipling you, sorry, as a man disciples his son, or disciplines, maybe just, okay. Anyway, therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of waters, and fountains, and springs, and flowing forth in the valleys and the hills, and the land of wheat and parley, of vines and fig trees, and pomegranates, and the land of olive oil and honey, and the land where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything, and a land whose stones are iron, and out of those hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. This goes on to say, do not forget the Lord. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. I feel like maybe somebody else needs that too, that he's there with you. And even though it seems like a wilderness time and, you know, things are scarce and you're like, what's going on? you know that he called you out so you just gotta trust thank you Lord Lord just thank you for your thank you for your blessings that you pour upon us thank you for reminding us of the things you've shown us as we step out and do what you have called us to do, Lord. Give, give us people to encourage us and remind us of your goodness. all I got, uh, but I have the privilege of uh, uh, introducing Sarah to come up. It's funny how the spirit just, he's like <laughs> so cohesive because I woke up this morning Make Room was in my heart. Like, I, I had to go and turn that song on and listen to it like three times in a row. And then Aaron's talking about Deuteronomy, and I was listening to that all week this week. Like, just the whole book of Deuteronomy. Like, there's so much in the Bible, but just that it happens in repeat. And then Anne's talking about things this morning that were 100% in my heart. Ah, Jesus. He just doesn't even quit. <laughs> Thank God for God. So, <clears throat> regarding our communion this morning, we could pass out the elements. 
All short people. Break. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'd just like to read out of John chapter 6, verses 53 through 58. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you that you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. You have no life in you. Oh. Yeah, unless you do. Sorry, missed that word. That's the kicker. Unless you do it. Um, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. That is what we need. That is like the gist of when we have our communion, it is so we fellowship with the Father. We need to be mindful of Jesus, of what he did, of his body, of the 39 lashes. Actually, it, it could have been more. They say that uh, according to Roman law, that you or Jewish law, you couldn't have more than 39 stripes. But according to Roman law, that was that was not their law. They would flog a person until they died. So I think he had 39 stripes, but I can't verify that, <laughs> just knowing what I had just told you. But, uh, I mean, if he wasn't recognizable by the time that he was hanging on the cross, it, I mean, we know that it couldn't have been good. And, you know, Jesus still laid himself down <laughs> willingly. You know, and God's sitting on the throne, and his thoughts are of us. Like, we are who he takes great pleasure in. We are his most perfect creation. I'm sure he carries his picture in his wallet so he can take it out and look at us and just be reminded of how much he loves us. As the living Father sent me, that's Jesus, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. We've been liberated from death. I mean, we'll be glorified. We'll get a glorified body when we go to heaven. But until then, I mean, it talks about how he sustained the people in Israel, coming, traveling, migrating through the desert for so long. And he kept people alive. (laughs) He kept their shoes from wearing out. And we ought to stand in what he has done for us. So that being said, uh, thank you, Jesus. Your body broken for us willingly so we could have life, life abundantly higher than we can ask or think. Father, I thank you for your, the blood of Jesus that set us free, that our thoughts can be steadfast and stayed on you. And that when you look at us, we are right standing because of Jesus' blood. Thank you, Jesus. And I would like to welcome Adam, pastor extraordinaire. Yeah. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. I would love, uh, today is the first Sunday that our K through 6 graders will be meeting during service. So take a minute, shake someone's hand, give them a hug, whatever you want to do. 
Uh, older kids, you are dismissed. Miss Ann is your teacher today. She's going to take you to the bathroom before class. And then once you come back, we'll get started. Everyone else, shake some hands, hug some necks, show some love before we get started. I saw you get up and I was like, oh, she's walking a little gingerly. Oh. <laughs> All right. A little too much. Uh, caffeine this morning. I'm a little shaky. It's all right. It's good. I'll be fine. I'll survive. I know. Seriously. Do some laps. I'll pace. I'll pace today. I'll pace. Uh, <clears throat> I can't do that. I have to walk. I have to be standing. I've tried. I tried. I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. Um, happy Sunday. I hope you all have had a, a fantastic week. It was a busy week in our house, but what week isn't busy, right? We've got four kids. Life just doesn't seem to slow down. I'm going to go through a few announcements before I share the word this morning. Uh, we'll wait till Eliza gets back to her workstation. Um, if you're new here, would love to know that. We have some uh, information cards to fill out back on the offering table, so please fill that out. Drop it in the offering box. Love to get to know you. I talk, I've talked about this the last few weeks. If you are, if you'd like to be, and you're not yet, our church has a Slack community. Uh, Slack is just a communication app, app on your phone that we use to keep everyone up to date, share upcoming events, what's happening month to month. Uh, it's also a way for you to connect with other folks in the church if you don't have their phone number. Um, it's kind of like a, a digital church directory, I guess you could say. Um, we found ours from when I was a kid. It was funny to look back at photos of families that have kids that are now adults. Anyways, join the Slack community. It's a great way to stay connected. Next is, next Saturday, we'll be serving again with the Fresh Threads and Fresh Express mobile food bus. Um, so this is an opportunity for us to give back to our community. I did find out there are times that we've held throughout the day. So there's a 10 to 11.30 a.m. time slot, and we can serve in the afternoon. Um, so if you're interested, please let me know if you are able to go. Um, either Shri or I will be going uh, as well this week. Um, the locations are in Hudson and Holton, Wisconsin. Hudson in the morning, Holton in the afternoon. Um, if you are interested in joining, please let me know. It's a ton of fun. We started this last month, um, and it's just great to be able to give back. So let me know if you're able to go or send me a Slack message. Uh, if you aren't able to connect with me today after church. Uh, life groups, we've been studying the book of Hebrews. We meet Thursday nights here at church. Please join us if you're able. It's just a great way for us to build community, to study the word together, uh, and to grow, uh, grow along uh, with each other as we dive into the word. Uh, evangelism is today. So uh, we will be going out after church today. I'm going to read 
Sarah's note so I get all of the details correct. Um, but we'll be going into St. Paul today um, to hop on the light rail. So uh, after service today, uh, we're going to be meeting at the Union Depot in St. Paul at 2 o'clock. Uh, so grab something to eat, uh, take whatever you need, meet everyone there at 2, hop on the train, ride the train for an hour, and then uh, we'll wrap up. So just a few things to note. The cost of the train is $2.50. If you're interested in going, the church will cover that. So don't feel like that's on you. Um, it's just a great way for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to share the love of God with folks, and hopefully, uh, if they haven't uh, started a relationship with Jesus, help them with that. So we did this last year. Sarah and I actually hopped on the train um, and did a similar, uh, similar route, and it was really impactful. We met a lot of people that needed Jesus. Uh, we were able to pray with several folks. Um, it was just a really cool opportunity, really cool time. So if you're interested, find Sarah. Um, I think she's out in the hallway, but find her after service to let her know that you're coming. So that way we don't hop on the train and somebody's left behind. So if you're interested, let us know. Uh, lastly, if you're interested in giving, uh, you can text to give, uh, download the Church Center app, or you can give online or via the giving table in back. A few other announcements just to highlight uh, our next dwell night is Friday, uh, February 17th uh, at 6.30. That's just an opportunity for us to gather together as a church. It's just something outside of Sundays for us to have prayer time, uh, worship time, uh, potentially whatever the Lord needs us to do. So join us Friday, February 17th. And then starting this Tuesday, uh, every Tuesday night at 6.30, we're going to have corporate prayer. So again, that's just another opportunity for us to gather together, pray together, really intercede for this area, for our church uh, for whatever the Lord needs us to pray for. So um, all of that to say, and I, I want to emphasize this, those nights, whether it's dwell or corporate prayer, they follow the same guidelines as our church. We're just creating a space for the Holy Spirit to move. There's no agenda for us in those moments. We're not coming and saying we have to do this or we have to do that. It's truly just creating the space for us as a community to come together, uh, pray together, worship together. So... Um, Please come out to those nights. The last worship night we had in January was awesome. Uh, we had some folks from, from some other churches that came, um, and it was just really powerful, impactful. Um, so if you're, if you're able to come Friday, February 17th, and then Tuesday nights, we'll start this week. We will not have corporate prayer on Valentine's Day. Uh, so you can go and spend time with your significant other or your friends or whatever that looks like uh, on Valentine's Day, and then we'll pick up again the following Tuesday. Well, are you ready for the word this morning? All right. So the last few weeks, um, I've been talking about the name of Jesus. I'm going to shift a little bit today uh, and, and start sharing a little bit of some things that the Lord has just really been stirring in my heart over the last month. Um, and I'll explain a little bit. It's interesting what Aaron was sharing after worship today. Really, <laughs> as Sarah was saying, the Holy Spirit's so fun because it ties in really well with uh, what I want to share. So... I know I shared this a few weeks ago, um, but we've had kind of a, a marathon of a month with our youngest. So Lila's been uh, in and out of the hospital. She had surgery on her knee. Um, it was just kind of a, I don't want to say traumatizing because that's the wrong word, but it was, a, 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 it was a, a rough month. Lots of not sleeping and doctor appointments and out of routine and, and all of the things. It was just this, this tough time, and I was just talking to the Lord about what it, what it looks like when we are going through tough times and what we need to do. So I'm going to start 
the next few weeks I'm going to talk about some practical ways for us to navigate rough waters. We all have them. All of us have moments in our life that we can look back on and go, that was really hard, right? It could be a financial situation, it could be a health situation, a loss of a loved one, whatever it may be, all of us have those moments in our life that cause us to go, man, that was really hard. And the thing is, is oftentimes when we're going through those situations, we keep them to ourselves. We're private about it. And there are some things that are meant to stay private, and then there are some things that are not meant to stay private. And I think it's okay, you know, you've got to ask the Lord what you need to do in those situations, but all of us go through moments in our life that are harder than, the, than others. And I'm going to share a few examples from my own life um, of times that were just hard. That were just hard. And, and I think it would be wrong of us to think that because we're Christians, we're not going to experience hard times in our life, right? The difference is, is when we go through hard times, we have somebody that we can rely on to help us through that, right? So we're all, we all know that those trials, those tribulations, those challenges are going to come because we live in this world. We live in a fallen world. It's not perfect. Um, and we, we, we're going to have those moments. The difference is, and, and what I'll get into in the next few weeks, is how do we use and leverage and rely on the Lord when we're going through those? And I think sometimes that can be the hardest thing to do because we get into these moments where it's tough, it's rough. And I don't know if, you're, if any of you are like me, my first instinct is to solve the problem, to fix it, right? Whether it's me or it's someone else that's maybe sharing with me, my first instinct is to say, how do we fix this? How do we solve it? How do we move on past this? And oftentimes... I can try to do that on my own. Or I can say, man, I've got this financial situation that I'm going through. Maybe it's medical bills. How do I work harder? How do I make more money? You know, how do I, what, what do they call it when, uh, how do I, um, I can't think of the exact word, but how do I strive to just do more and make more money and do more things? That's my natural instinct. I'm a hard worker. That's what I like to do. So it's like, how do I pick up side jobs? How do I do other things? And that's my, that can be my first instinct when I'm coming up against a financial situation or a financial challenge. So over the course of the next few weeks, I really want to dig into how we don't do that. Because it's easy for us to focus in on those things. And there's a passage of Scripture that's going to ground us um, that if you all could turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, we're going to start in verse 16 and read through chapter 18. So 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. And it says, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. 
For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. The things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And the end of that passage, that in verse 18 there, that last sentence, is so important. Because we allow these rough waters to weigh us down and, and to sometimes overtake us. But the thing is, is those rough waters only last for a period of time, right? They only last for a period of time. Uh, I remember an example of this. Uh, as many of you know, my, we love to go to the Boundary Waters, and I've shared some stories about our times there. Uh, and I remember one particular time I had gone up with Sheree, uh, her dad, Charity, and, and two family friends. And we had gone in June, and it was a very cold June. And in northern Minnesota, when it's cold here, it's really cold up there. And uh, we were going to go fishing across uh, on the other side of the lake uh, in the morning. And it was probably 45, 50 degrees tops. And it was howling. The wind was just screaming. And we're in these really light canoes. So the canoes that we use, 39 pounds, Really great when it's not windy, can be challenging when it's windy. Shri and I, we're determined to get across the lake. That's our goal. That's our mission. So we're like, all right, get in the canoe. And if you didn't start paddling instantly, you were just swinging and getting pushed back to the shore. So we get in and we just start digging. And we're digging and we're, we have no idea what's happening behind us. But we're, we're, we're getting across the lake. And... We're going across the biggest part of the lake. It's probably a half a mile across from where we were to where we wanted to be. And I mean, the waves are coming up across the top of the canoe. It's just windy. Why we decided to go out fishing across the side of the lake that day, I don't know. We were determined. So we get across and we're like, yeah, we made it. We're back in this bay. It's protected. And we turn around and we go, where's Denny and Charity? And we were with our, the family friends, and we were like, hey, do you know where they went? And they're like, oh, yeah, we saw them. Uh, by the time that we got out, they, uh, they dumped their canoe, and they're back at shore. Here I am in this situation of going, I just paddled all the way across that, and I didn't even realize what was happening behind me because I was so focused on fixing the problem. we got to get across the lake. we got to get... No, fish was more important than that. There was, I had to get across the lake, and I had no idea that my father-in-law... And my sister-in-law had dumped their canoe in 45-degree weather 16 miles from our vehicle. And it wasn't supposed to get warmer the rest of the week. So we said, well, we're already over here. Let's fish. Maybe we'll catch something. We fish for about an hour. We come back. And I see Denny, and he's like soaking wet. And he had, it was cold, so he had all, all of his warm gear on when he went into the drink. It took him three days to get warm. The next day, though, the crazy winds went away. So that rough water only lasts for a long time. Denny eventually got warm, but I was so focused on solving and fixing the rough waters that I had no idea what was happening behind me. And oftentimes we can do that. We get so fixated on the problem, we get so fixated on getting through it, finding a way through it, that we don't even realize that someone close to us is struggling or that we have someone that can help us. So rough waters happen. They happen in, in our life. They happen in different situations. All of us have been there. <clears throat> so I want to share uh, another example of something that 
I'm going to be very vulnerable with you about some time in my life that was, in the last 10 years, probably the lowest, lowest part of my life. Um, and and I, in, the, in the moment, I didn't realize it, but as I've reflected, has really shown some deficiencies that could have really helped me as I was going through that. So uh, it was 2013. I was working for Target. Uh, and I just transitioned to a, one of the craziest, busiest stores in the company. And it was my job to be the security manager at that store. Um, it was the St. Paul store on University Ave, for those of you that are familiar with the Twin Cities. It's a it, busy store. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the most unique Target store, in my opinion, because you have a mile from the store, one direction, you have the Governor's Mansion, Summit Ave, million, million dollars of homes. A mile the other way, you've got Frogtown, low-income housing, and all of everyone meets at this store. So you can imagine the diversity and all the things that were happening at this store. It was so cool, but it was also so hard because because of that and its location, it was so there were guests everywhere, people coming and going all the time. So I end up transferring to this store, and I had really been successful at the previous store that I was at. That's how I ended up uh, getting placed there. And it very quickly turned into a situation that I was consumed by work. Consumed. I was working 60 to 70 hours a week, not sleeping because I was so stressed, and wasn't a good spouse, wasn't a good dad. At this time, uh, we had had Graham. So you can imagine the complexity of having a crazy busy job and then throwing in kids into the mix and having a newborn and not sleeping because the newborn is awake and trying to be a support system for your wife but also trying to be successful at work, it was really hard. In fact, it, it, it brought me to the point where I almost left Target. I actually interviewed with Menards for a job at their corporate headquarters. We were gonna move to Eau Claire because I needed to get out of this job so bad. It was terrible. It was the craziest two years of my life. In fact, so much of it I have literally forgot about. Like I can't remember things that happened because it was such a wild time. And as I reflected on it, really hard. Like it was hard on me as a person. It was hard on our marriage. Because I would come home and I'd get home at 6.30, 7 o'clock. And I'd be asleep on the couch by 8 because I was so drained mentally and physically and Shri is trapped at home with this newborn baby all she's craving is time with her husband and I couldn't even give that to her it was the hardest two years of my life and there were a few things that I've really realized that really stuck out to me in that moment that had I had would have made that situation totally different so the first one is I was lacking community. We didn't have community. All I did was work, come home from work, work, come home from work. It was Groundhog Day over and over and over again. I didn't have people that could encourage me, that could uplift me. Sure, I had people that I worked with, but I didn't have people. You know, your people like this. I did not have this then that I could have called somebody and said, man, I'm really struggling. I need help. When we're going through rough times, community is so critical. 
It's so important. Because those are the people that help pull you out of what you're going through. Those are the people that remind you that you don't have to do it alone. Those are the people that encourage you, that inspire you, that motivate you. Those are your friends. That's your family. So when you are going through those moments, you have people that you can connect with on a different level. Not just, hey, let's go grab dinner some night, but I need to call you because I just had a really bad day at work and I need somebody to talk to about it. The Lord created community for that reason. So that way when we are having those moments, we have people that we can call on and say, hey, I know you're a brother in Christ. I know you're a sister in Christ. And I just have to share this with you. This is really hard. It's hard and I don't know what to do. Can you pray with me? Can you help me? What do I do? Having community is so important. And in that moment, in that season, we didn't have it. It was hard. We were kind of in this holding pattern. The second thing is, I was lacking time with the Lord. Because I was so focused on not failing at work and not failing at home and trying to do all of the things I lost perspective on what mattered most. Reading my Bible, that was like an afterthought. And I'm just being real here. Like, this is is real life. I didn't have energy to do anything else other than focus on work and trying to do what I could at home when I was there. And when you're going through rough times, the Lord just wants you to say, I'm here for you. Use me. Rely on me. Spend time with me. And it's amazing how in those moments when you are going through rough times, how when you just focus on Him instead of the situation, He gives you peace that surpasses anything that you could ever do on your own. When you spend time in prayer, when you pour your heart out to Him, and I'm not saying... You have to go and it has to be this elaborate thing when you just talk to the Lord. When you're just real and vulnerable with Him. Sometimes that means bawling your eyes out. Sometimes that means just being so transparent with Him and saying, this hurts. I don't know what to do. I need your help. But that's what He wants. He wants you to look to Him for help. He wants you to spend time with Him. And the last one that I've realized, and this is very personal, I was being super stubborn. Stubborn. Like, stubborn is a mule stubborn. I wanted to figure it out on my own. I could do it. I was strong enough. We've all been there. We've all been there. I know I have. And I have to remind myself to this day, don't be stubborn. Don't try to do it on your own. Jesus is there. He's there. I eventually got out of that situation. I still work for Target, obviously. Um, and, and the Lord has really used that time in my life as a benchmark to say, if you ever have things like this, don't do it on your own. And I'm thankful that if I ever got into a situation like that, I have countless number of people in here that I could call and say, I need your help. I don't know what to do. And I wouldn't be met with judgment or 
anything like that, it would be met with love and compassion. So we aren't meant to do that on our own. So that's a very personal example of me being vulnerable and sharing something that Shree and I had gone through together. And it, it's shaped us where we haven't put ourselves back in that situation. Thankfully, I work at Target headquarters now and I don't have that level of stress any longer. But it was a, it was a hard time. There are also many biblical examples of people that went through rough times. Joseph is a perfect example of that. His brothers literally sold him off. Sold him off. And then he gets thrown in prison. And, and if you want to learn more about Joseph's life, go and study it. But he ends up where his brothers come to him at the end and say, we will be slaves for you. Because he endured all of those things and the Lord gave him the greatest honor. And what does Joseph say in that situation? You're not going to be my slaves. I still love you. I forgive you. He went through all those hard times and still was able to forgive. Job is another great example of somebody who endured rough waters. Daniel literally got thrown into a pit with lions because of his faith in God. Peter, Paul, and so many more. The one thing that's consistent in all of those examples, though, is those people, Joseph, Job, Daniel, Paul, Peter, they never lost hope in the Lord. The Lord was always their foundation. And I want to use one example in Acts chapter 16. Many of you know the story uh, from Paul's life to kind of set the stage for what this looks like. So to give a little background, and feel free to turn there. I'm going I'm to paraphrase some of it um, and tell the story a little bit. But uh, Paul and Silas are traveling around. Uh, they're, they're missionaries, uh, and they end up in this um, community. And eventually they'll end up thrown in prison, but they're not thrown in prison for what you would think. What ends up happening is this uh, woman come and is bothering Paul, you could say, and it's what was inside the woman that was bothering Paul, and he casts a demon out of this lady. Well, this lady had a prominent master who would leverage her to make money because she would cast spells and incantations on people. That didn't sit well with the community or with this master. So they have Paul and Silas beaten to a pulp with wood rods beaten just terribly and thrown in prison. And not just like, oh, here's your county jail, unlock the door. Like, they get thrown in the innermost prison in the prison. And they're said, don't, don't let these two out. Don't let them out of your sight. They need to stay here. They get put in uh, locks and chains on their feet, and they're there. And as the story progresses, there's something very unique about Paul and Silas. They have just been beaten. Truly have open wounds, and they're sitting in this jail cell with lashes on their legs. And what do they do? Do they wallow in self-pity because they're in this situation? No. They praise. They praise the Lord because they knew that through this, the Lord was going to do something great. What ends up happening at midnight? There's an earthquake. All of the cells, not just theirs, but all of the cells break wide open. The chains fall off their feet. They're free, right? Remember, the jailer that's there was told, don't let these people out. 
So he knows there's consequences if these people get out. He's ready to kill himself. Got a sword ready. He's ready to just end it all, right? What do Paul and Silas do? They say, wait, 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 wait. Stop. They lead him to the Lord. And in this situation, not only does that man, the jailer, come to know Jesus, his entire family comes to know Jesus. He, he, he helps Paul and Silas. He washes their wounds, cleans them up. Have you ever thought the impact that that situation had? We don't know about the jailer and his family, what their life entailed after that. But think of all the people that were impacted by that family because of what Paul and Silas did. So again, they're in this rough situation. They've just been beaten. They're in jail for no, who knows how long. The Lord miraculously rescues them. And they don't just bolt out of there. Yeah, I'm free! No, they take the time to make sure that people know why they were set free. Because of Him. Because of Jesus. Because of the miraculous. And they lead people to know Him. So we can, we can obviously see that what they were going through was not fun. I don't think any of us would want to be beaten like they were. It wasn't enjoyable. But it was important. The Lord can use whatever situation you're in, whatever situation you're going through, and turn it around for good. Romans 8.28 All things work together for the good for those that love Him. And I am not saying, this is not what I'm saying, that God causes and forces bad things to happen. That is not true. That is a lie from the enemy. God doesn't cause anything. He is an, a loving God. The enemy's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. We've talked about that. And Jesus never says that our life is going to be perfect. He doesn't. He says, you live in this world, you follow me, you're going to have challenging times. John 16, Jesus says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Amen. Amen. He has overcome the world. You see, Jesus always lived with an eternal mindset. He knows that we live in the here and now. He knows we live in this earth. But he also knows that's for a very set amount of time. He knows the day that you're born, the day that you die. But he doesn't focus on it. He sees the eternal mindset. Yeah, you might have tough times when you're living on this earth. But he knows that in the end, it always comes back where you end up in his presence for all eternity. Paul and Silas are a good example of two people that weren't afraid of, I don't want to say punishment, but they weren't afraid of things going south or, or having bad situations come up. Because they knew that people were going to stand against them because of who they followed. They weren't just sitting around eating Twinkies and wait, like, no, they were actively pursuing what the Lord was leading them to do. And they had a choice. 
especially when they're in prison, they had a choice. They could either sit there and wallow in their situation and stay there. Well, I guess we're just going to die in this prison. I guess that's what's going to happen. They didn't try to find a way out in their own strength. They weren't trying to pick the lock on the legs and pick... No, they were just praising the Lord. They weren't trying to do it on their own because they knew the God they served could do anything. Right? They weren't trying to do it on their own. They also didn't feel bad for themselves. They weren't sitting in self-pity. They were instead focused on Him. They weren't going, woe is me. I don't know. No. And I don't want anyone to feel that if you have those moments of hardship or so, like that's, that's okay. We all have those moments. And I don't want to discredit that. And I don't want anyone to feel bad for that. We all have them. I have them. I have to battle that mental battle all the time. I shared on Thursday night, I'm such an achiever at work. When I fail at something, I have to like literally say, it's okay, it was a learning opportunity for me, move on. Because you can stay and sit there and sit there and dwell and dwell and dwell and dwell. Or you can give it to God and move on. And say, I learned from that. I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to continue to move on. And that's, honestly, sometimes it's easier than others when we're going through tough stuff. Work, you can move on. I remember when my grandma passed away. This would have been Valentine's Day of 2016. Of course, I have to have a Valentine's Day. It was a really hard day. My grandma, she was the greatest lady. She taught me how to fish, albeit uh, we didn't catch much. She taught me how to fish. She was just this incredible woman that was so awesome. And that was hard. It wasn't just something that I could say, oh, I'm moving on. That's not human. We don't do that. Sometimes it's hard to move on past things. It's hard. And you come to church every Sunday and you say, God, I give this to you. I give this to you. And still sometimes you, the next day you're going, why? This is so hard. I've got four kids. You know how many times I've said, Lord, give me more patience. And then I go home and I'm like, I don't have much more patience. It's hard. This life we live is hard. And I think all of us know that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to say it's okay to feel bad for yourself because we have Jesus to rely on. What I am saying is we are human beings. And it would be wrong of us, and sometimes in church we just say, ah, here's a, here you go, solve it, fix it. We don't actually listen to people. We don't actually hear them and what they're going through. And if we would just stop and listen and not rush to say, here, do this, here, do that, and we were there for people to help them and encourage them and help pull them out of what they're going through instead of just trying to throw something at it as a quick fix. Here, this is all you need to do. If we truly loved them and showed them love in that way, I think a lot of those, a lot of those situations would smooth over because we were there for people. Right? So it's important for us 
when we are going through things, to not sit and dwell, to give it to God and to continue to give it to God when you're navigating things, when you're going through stuff. The difference in this situation with Paul and Silas, yeah, they were in a tough spot, but their response was to praise the Lord, to praise the Lord. I would encourage you, the next time you've got a tough situation that you're going through, praise the Lord. Not for that situation, he didn't bring it on, but praise him for his goodness. Praise him for who he is. Praise him for the help that he is. Praise him for giving you smart and cool ways to get out of that situation, to give you more energy. Ask him for help. In John 16, 33, Christ says he's overcome the world. Again, he has that eternal mindset. And sometimes those moments that we're going through can be tough. They're hard. And sometimes they don't make sense. They don't make sense. But Jesus knew that those moments were going to be tough. On Thursday, Cliff brought up uh, a Bible study, the, the Footprints story and I know I've mentioned that before but when we're going through tough stuff when we have tough situations that we're navigating we can try to do it on our own and walk or we can allow Jesus to pick us up and carry us through that 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 poem that story had such an impact on me when I was a kid I think my mom had a picture of it in our living room because it's so true we all are gonna have those moments and we can allow Jesus to pick us up and carry it, or we can say, no, I want to do it on my own. I would encourage you, allow him to pick you up. So as I wrap this up, over the next few weeks, I'm going to be, we're going to continue to dive into this. And I know this is a heavy topic. It's, it's not always something we talk about in church, but it's important because we all have things that we're going through in life. And if we can't talk about it here, where can we talk about it? Right? So I want, over the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about the importance of community in your life when you're going through tough times. The importance of spending time in worship and prayer and in the Word. And the importance of letting yourself go and not being stubborn. And I want, I want you to remember that no matter the challenge you're facing, nothing, nothing is impossible for the king of this world. Nothing is impossible for God. So even if it's the hardest, most challenging situation, you know that you are victorious at the end. Because that situation might be hard, you're going to get through it. Because you stand with the Lord. I want to close with this. <clears throat> and Laura, if you want to come back up and, and play a little bit. 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9 through 9 says... We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. We're going to have those moments in our life. They're going to be tough. We might get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. When we do get knocked down, the Lord's standing there with a hand, helping us up. 
He doesn't leave us. He never leaves us, forsakes us, abandons us. He is always right there, waiting for us to say, help me. Help me through this. So to wrap up service today, I just want to take some time. Laura is going to play some music up here. I just want you to take some personal time, some personal reflection time with the Lord. I just want you to ask him, if there's anything in my life, if there's anything that I'm holding on to, that I'm not allowing you to help me with, Lord, I just give that to you. I want you to just take that moment take and have that have that conversation with God be real with him don't sugarcoat it be real with him be honest with him ask him for help we're just going to take a few minutes Laura's going to play quietly in the background just take a minute have that time with the Lord yourself in a spot where you feel like you're not good enough that you're failing because that's not what it's all about what it's about is that Jesus died so that way we could live redeemed lives redeemed in every aspect redeemed in every aspect. We're going to navigate rough things, rough waters, challenging times. And in those, the enemy tries to convince you that you're going through it because you're not good enough. Because you did something wrong. You're not you don't read your Bible enough. You're not a good enough Christian. Those are lies from the pit of hell. God loves you so much that he wants to help you, that he wants to be your shield. When the enemy tries to throw darts at you, he wants to be there to block them, to remind you of who you are, your identity in Him. So that way when you are navigating rough waters, when the waves are coming up and crashing against you, that you stand strong, that you stand firm. Lord, we are just so grateful for your presence here with us today. We just love you so much and are so thankful that we can call on you in our time of need, that we can call on you when we're going through rough times, that we can lean, trust, and rely on you when we don't know which way is up, that you are our helping hand when we are on our knees, that you lift us up, that we can run to you when we need you most, 
and you will never turn us away. That you will be with us for all the days of our lives. That when we stand on you, that we know we have a firm foundation. That the wind and the waves may come and we will stand strong because our foundation is rooted in you. Lord, we are just so in love with you and everything that you do in our lives is so incredible. We pray that you continue to move in our lives to show us how we can continue to lean on you in our time of need. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you do need prayer for something that you're going through, and you just want to have some one-on-one time or you need somebody to talk to about it, I hope you know that Shree and I are always here for you. And there's people throughout this entire church that would love to stand with you, to pray with you, to encourage you, no matter what it is. That's what having community is all about. It's about having people that you can run to when you need help. And I'm thankful that we have that community here thankful that we have people here that can stand with us. So if you ever do need prayer, it can be on a Sunday, it can be on a Thursday morning at 7 a.m., whenever it is. Shree and I are available. We want to be with you. We want to stand with you. We love you all so incredibly much. We're so thankful for each and every one of you. Just a reminder, evangelism after church today. Connect with Sarah if you plan on going.